Revenue Rhino. I'm Brad Hammond, and this is the Lifelong Customer Podcast. We're interviewing successful sales and marketing leaders and discussing ways in which they're building lifelong relationships with their customers. Welcome to the Lifelong Customer Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Hammond, and today I have Thomas Hall of Pachyderm. Thomas, it's really nice to have you on. Brad, I'm happy to be here. Yeah, I'm super excited. So tell me a bit about yourself. Great. Yeah, I lead enterprise sales at Pachyderm. I've been here closer to three years than two at this point. I joined the company at employee eight. We're we're creeping up close to, to 50. Really exciting time to be at the company. Before Pachyderm, I kind of got my start in enterprise sales at Salesforce. Left there for a tiny company at the time called MuleSoft. After that, I joined another Salesforce Ventures company called Tapterra. Spent a bunch of time selling into the the Fortune 100 there. Kind of thought, okay, that's enterprise sales. That's how it works. Check those boxes. Got got really involved in a Y Combinator startup called BackerKit. The hmm. enablement, fulfillment process behind crowdfunding campaigns. How do you get creators who are you know, laser focused on making things and kind of remove the death by a thousand paper cuts situation from them. Really great to learn from early stage YC founders. After backer kit, I, I realized I'm built for enterprise sales. I wanted to get back into it. I wanted to be a VP of sales at a big scaling enterprise tech company. And yeah, we're just laying the groundwork. Nice. That sounds like a ton of fun. It's, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So tell me a bit about your company and what you guys do in the space you're in. Yeah, I think uh, a good way to think about Pachyderm is kind of Git for data science. So how do you take mm. 15, 20 years of best practices and software development and kind of transport them into a very wild west space where machine learning operations are still at their formators, where the canonical stack, the, the future proofing of what these AI, machine learning, workbenches, and platforms are truly going to be driving value for customers the next 15 years. We were really early in the space, which has been great for us. I think our customers initially were really early adopters, and we're finally at that inflection point where teams you know, fill out a request a demo form and say, hey, everyone's talking about Packetarm. I, I just went to this community event. I just saw one of your evangelist talks. How do we get there? It's a pretty exciting time at the company where we're releasing Pachyderm 2.0 this year. It's a big deal from a product standpoint. And I think the the go-to market focus is really what we're excited about. We've been a very product-driven, engineering-oriented company through our genesis. And right now, it's everything's about the customer. The, The product has got product market fit. It holds up at scale. We're not running into friction in sales cycles where things are breaking. It's a beautiful time. That's awesome. So it sounds like a really bright future. What would you say is the greatest challenge that you're facing as you move into this year and kind of plan for the future here? Oh, man, that, that's like a, a big hot button topic right now for us. So we were an open source company. Our kind of culture and, and genesis was built around open source. At this point, it's our open source product is too good, right? So we, we got to be a business. We got to make money. We got to be able to sell features and functionality and support and services and value to customers that they want to put their hand up and pay for. 
So I think part of the internal conversations and challenges are right now, are there parts of the open source product that we need to deprecate and fold into the enterprise offerings? How do we make sure we're talking to enough of our customers who are, who are truly the stakeholders in Pachyderm and trying to figure out what is the product roadmap we need to be focused on? A lot of the challenges are, okay, do we build things now that help customers that we currently have, or do we build products and features for the future? And that paradox is something I think a lot of startups struggle with when you've got 40 killer customers, you know exactly what each of them all need, and then yet you're trying to balance, how do I go get the next 200? Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's exciting. It also sounds challenging. And for those listening that aren't really familiar with open source software, open source is essentially free, right? Like you have this software that's free. And then maybe explain to me a bit more about your enterprise offerings. So you, so you went from that maybe free platform to now having a paid offering. Love to yeah. hear a little bit more about that. Good timing. I, I lost the deal last night to ourselves. We, we lost it hmm. to open. Sometimes you, you find yourself genuinely competing against yourself in a deal. The tenants of open source are the open core model. You can go on Git, you can see our code, you can build atop of it. It makes us very modular, portable, agnostic. You don't get locked in. It's not saying, hey, you adopted Pachyderm and now you're stuck and driven by our product roadmap. You can actually build atop of it. You can contribute to it. On the enterprise side, you try to build features and functionality that really aligns with stuff that at large-scale organizations, they self-segregate into. A good example of a feature would be role-based access control. So you're mm -hmm. a big pharma company. Obviously, everyone can't see the same data, right? So mm -hmm. as soon as you're in that situation, you got to hop into the enterprise bucket. There's different levels of support SLAs, right? If you're a free community user, you're leveraging our Slack channel for bug fixes, questions, maybe scheduling technical office hours. But... You can't do it every day forever, right? There's a point where it's, okay, you're getting enough value out of this where like, we can't spend an hour of technical office hours with you every day. No. We need to get you into the, the enterprise bucket. And I think it is like truly an art and balance of maintaining that open source culture in which you are very accessible. Engineers, data scientists, they can get their hands on Pachyderm without having to talk to anyone on my sales team, which is really exciting for a lot of people. Sometimes people want to do planning and analysis and development without us knowing. And you don't want uh, a 16 email drip from an SDR all the time. Like I, no. I get it. But what we really need to be doing is just continuously building that differentiation. And, and, and the way we're doing it is straight up just talking to customers, having product roundtables with them, big focused on productized integrations and just making sure that the enterprise product is as sticky as possible within these kind of canonical stacks that are being built right now. Love it. That's cool. So let's talk about your market. Who exactly do you sell to? Who are these enterprises that are buying it? And what does all your market look like there? Yeah, man. Market is gigantic, right? Our, our verticals are health and life sciences, automotive, defense. It's teams with a focus on AI and ML. And that is basically every business that, that cares right now. We are a heavy lifting, high level of ownership type product where we align best with kind of more mature data science organizations that are structured with, uh, there's the data scientists and the data engineers, and then there's DevOps, and then there's MLOps and people who, who really 
have it together right now. Pachyderm kind of seamlessly integrates into. There historically have been some dependencies that are prerequisites to pachyderm adoption, such as we're, we're built atop of Kubernetes. When we did that at the you know beginning of the company, Kubernetes was still very new kid on the block. People were excited about it coming out of Google. Now it's it's not even sexy anymore. But I mean, it's still only in thirty five percent of of Fortune five hundred enterprises. But it still a little bit of friction around. You got to do all this stuff to get to the point where we can use Pachyderm. Our hypothesis for building our hosted like SaaS version of Pachyderm was how do we take all these teams where there's a little bit of barrier of entry into getting to use Pachyderm, and how do we, you know, allow them to spin up a cluster and be in, in production the next day, basically. And one of the things that's been really exciting is while we're still user deployed on-premise software on the enterprise side, we've got a lot of really exciting go-to market around more of a self-serve, here's the cloud product, you know exactly what it's going to cost you to run, and just trying to make as frictionless an experience as possible for the customer. Nice. I love it. So how do you go about reaching out and connecting with this market and selling for them? Yeah. We don't go to conferences anymore. There's a three-pronged approach, right, where we do a really great job in the evangelism department, doing webinars, putting out very cutting-edge thought leadership blog posts. We've got our our chief evangelism officer, Dan Jeffries, is just like a fascinating writer. The guy's published four sci-fi books and He's just a cool person to be talking about Pachyderm out in the community. We've got community managers who are living in the spaces online where, where data scientists go to try to you know, gain knowledge and kind of understand in, in this very kind of cutting edge market, like, how do I piece it all together? Jimmy Whitaker is another one of our evangelism team members who is just putting out really killer content that kind of all, all ties back to Pachyderm. We, of course, have traditional marketing channels and do the PDC SEO type stuff. What we loved doing a year and two years ago was getting our, our customers to speak on our behest at big hmm. industry events. I think it, it only goes so far hearing how awesome Pachyderm is from someone on our team, but really getting customers that care about you to, to get on stage and say, hey, this is what's been transformative in my business because of Pachyderm. That's been excellent for us. And then, of course, we have the strategic outbound account-based targeting. And lastly, really leveraging our partner ecosystem. Teams, Seldon.io, they're very early in our customers' journey into kind of building this data science stack. So they'll talk to these teams well before we do. And we'll be able to put together this really exciting story about, hey, Selden plus Pachyderm, and here's how we get you to production faster. We are privileged in that M12, Microsoft's venture arm, led our Series B. And mm. now we can go to market with resources in the Azure marketplace and do co-sell deals with Microsoft reps who you take a big account of ours. And we've only got a couple of people working on it, but Microsoft has 30 people working on it. And mm. so as a startup, you're always just trying to expand your footprint and leverage the resources at your fingertips as smart as you can. And we're in a good place for that right now. We just brought on a, a partnerships and alliances lead, Maura Chambers. She spent about seven years at MuleSoft doing every which role there as a rock star. And she's coming in and, and defining a lot of 
yeah, what the future of partnerships looks like at Pachyderm. And that's going to be a big part of our go-to market as well. So tell me a bit about how you go about building these lifelong relationships with uh, your customers. It sounds like you guys are doing some really cool stuff. Yeah, I think it's definitely twofold in that there's the pre-sales side and there's the customer onboarding. And then it's once they are a customer, right? So obviously upfront, you want the sales cycle to be as frictionless as possible. You want people to genuinely enjoy their experience buying from you. Uh, They want to understand that you are like solution solving for them. But then there's the point of once they're an actual customer and there's always that little awkward part where, where an AE is like, all right, I just spent so much time working with you and now I'm just going to dump you off to this team and goodbye. (laughs) And maybe I'll get pulled in to save the day if it's tough with the renewal, but it really doesn't have to be that way. And and when that kind of handoff happens in uh, a way that just doesn't feel personal, your customer can always tell. And mm-hmm. if, if they get dumped in a bucket where they feel like they're getting treated like every other customer, they're, they're going to notice that. And so I think segmenting customers once you have them is incredibly important in terms around what content you're providing, how you plan, what value you're going to be putting in front of them. You, you want to make sure you have vertical, targeted, industry-specific messaging and newsletters and invites to webinars that actually matter to them. And the thing that, that I like to say is that if your customers are, are truly important to your business, it shouldn't be hard to make them feel special. When they take an early morning meeting with you, send them an Uber Eats gift card. If you see they're drinking coffee, ship them a packet or a mug. If a kid runs behind on the Zoom video, see if they want some t-shirts, right? I think it's, it's not so hard to just make that little bit bigger effort and just make teams feel like they're in a good spot working with you and you care. Love it. That's awesome. It's awesome stuff. What advice would you give to, you know, other sales professionals and leaders and their teams in terms of building relationships with your market, with your customers, and and creating these uh, lifelong relationships as in the name of the podcast? Yeah, man. Something I've been really focused on lately, not, you know, probably not even enough, but your champion enablement, right? How do you take the person who's excited about your product, maybe in a company where Things move slow. There's a lot of bureaucracy and red tape. And how do you help them put up a big win? How do you figure out, okay, if, if Sarah is able to get this project done, this is huge for her career, right? And not only does that come with customer referrals and references, but your account management team isn't stressing when renewals are coming up. There's a million ways that helps the entire process. But Helping people within really large organizations get their job done, I think, is such an mm. important part of sales right now. And it's not about having happy years and trying to, to run a deal cycle, but really just doing genuine customer-centric discovery where you're completely enabling them to, to go internally and figure stuff out. And obviously, all these deals at an enterprise infrastructure level require different levels of champions and buyers and, and people that need to give you the green light. But something we're really focused on is, okay, how do you connect with the, the team that you're, you're working with and how do you help them get to that next level? Because in AI and machine learning, these projects, they, they can get pushed back forever. I met with a agri-science company the other day who's doing product lifecycle planning for 2028 right now. And wow. it's a win. It's a huge win for someone at that team if you can get them to 2024. And so like, how do you equip them to make that happen? The sooner you do that, the sooner your you know customer lifecycle value goes up. And there's a million things that 
you can track KPI wise that say, okay, this is good for our business. But in terms of creating a customer for life, you really got to care about what's important for the person you're working with. Love it. That's awesome. Hey, thanks so much for joining the podcast and sharing all your wisdom and insights here. Really appreciate it. Oh man, I hope that, (laughs) I don't know about wisdom, but Brad, it's been cool chatting. I appreciate you. Yeah, for sure.